if you're looking to market yourself, you do have to pick out an, an element of the industry that you've got a clear message to and you know that that's a need that they have. So I did kind of narrow it down into the pharmaceutical industry, but I do get approached by, by other industries, but I do put myself out there and promote myself within the pharmaceutical industry. Right. And I think from a marketing perspective, I think you need to understand, otherwise... Who am I trying to get in front of? Who am I trying to market myself to? I'll be all over the place if I don't kind of specify that niche. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Baloo. And boy, do we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. This gentleman is one of the top leadership coaches on the planet. He has a background in working in the corporate world. He decided to leave that world and get into the world of serving his fellow human beings through his gifts as a leadership and business coach. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one the only, the legendary John Murphy. Welcome to the show, John. Nikki, that was such a fantastic introduction. I'm dying to hear what I've got to say. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for that. (laughs) Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. John, the listener to this podcast is a coach or a consultant. Typically speaking, the person listening to this podcast is someone who is interested in making a bigger impact in the world. They're interested in growing their business. They're interested in having a powerful legacy out there. They listen to this podcast specifically to learn from my guest expert thought leaders like you on how you did it. And they want to learn from you so they can apply that in their own life. So please, Tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great John Murphy? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, to be honest with you, I'm not sure that it's all that terribly exciting, but it certainly got me to where I am today, which I'm pleased about. But just to give you a little bit of backstory about it, I started my corporate career as an insurance salesman. So I sold insurance door to door, which is a fantastic experience. Not easy, but you certainly learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot of other people. But then as one your career progresses through the organizations, I became a sales manager, then I became a sales director, then I became a general manager of an insurance company in Ireland. And I ended up as a CEO of a life insurance company in Ireland, a pan-European uh, insurance company. And I did that job for about seven years. Uh, five of which I really enjoyed. And then the last two, I realized I didn't really, 
I enjoyed the journey to get there, but I didn't enjoy the destination as much when I got there. And also the organization was, we were going through a position where we were really maintaining and sustaining the business rather than growing it very rapidly as we had done for the previous number of years. And to be honest with you, that's not my strength. I love growing businesses. I love that whole process of doing it. When you get into maintenance, it's not really where my strength lies. So then it was a decision that, you know, and as you know, Nikki, that, you know, when you become you know, a senior director, senior executive in a multinational, you know, you're pretty well paid. You're pretty well looked after. So the challenge came, well, was I brave enough to kind of step out from that to start up my own business? But I really felt that I was at that stage that if I didn't make the move then, I would never make the move. And I decided to make the move to kind of go out and set up my own business and then the question was, well, what will I do now that I've made that decision? And so I made, I really looked at kind of the part of the job that I loved doing. And the bit that I really had a huge passion for was around hiring people, getting, building a team, getting that team to work effectively together and coaching the individuals and the team to really you know, become what they're what they potentially can become. And so that's why 14 years ago, I started my business in Ireland. And uh, and I've been doing that ever since. I since moved my, I, I live in the south of France, but the business that I do is global. So I do a lot of work in Europe and I'm also doing some work in the United States. So that's a very quick run through my own background and career and how it got me to where I am today. I love that. You live in the south of France. How cool is that? That must be amazing. Well, it is. I mean, and it's and it's a wonderful contrast, Nikki, because I live in the middle of kind of vineyards. I live in a small village where there's 250 people surrounded by mountains. I've got a view of the Pyrenees oh. from my patio. And uh, so I'm an hour and a half from skiing in the winter and I'm an hour from the Mediterranean in the summer. So, yeah, there's a lot to be grateful for. John, it sounds awful and terrible. What a horrible <laughs> life you have. <laughs> I know, but Nikki, some of us have to just put up with the pain. You know what? It's big of you to shoulder that load. It really is. <laughs> I, I'm taking one for the team. <laughs> you certainly are. So this is, this is the path, the journey that you went on to start making a difference for leaders. And what I want to ask you is this. Once you decided this was the path that you needed to be on. How did you get into a position to figure out who your ideal target client was? And I would love to be able to tell you that I did that from the get-go. And the truth is that at the very beginning of the business, it was anybody who was up by breathing and had a checkbook was kind of, you know, fair game. And But really, I realized that yeah, and, and I do recall when I when I was setting out on the road to become a leadership consultant, uh, I remember meeting a very good friend of mine who was still a very good friend of mine. And uh, his comment to me, he said, Murphy said, the world needs another consultant like a hole in the head. But he said, there's always room for a good one. And, and yeah, and I found that actually quite true and quite consoling as well. But I really realized after a period of time that I needed to kind of sharpen it and to be clear about exactly where did I fit in the whole kind of market that I was going after. So that I was really clear. So I identified my background as in the corporate world. I so I predominantly work with kind of senior uh, teams, 
cross-functional teams and senior individuals, senior executives, CEOs and senior directors in, in large global companies. I mean, I also do business with, with the kind of, you know, owner-owned businesses, but a lot of the work I do is in that kind of larger corporate entity where you know, it's a complex world. And it's a complex world for them to operate in. And, and that's really where my expertise is to help them to understand how they need to manage themselves and as a team, how they need to impact the rest of the organization. Because, you know, if you look at an organization and you're looking at the behavior within the organization, you know, like it or lump it, but that, that behavior is a mirror image of the top team. So you better get that behavior in that top team right or you're not going to have the sort of behavior down through the rest of the organization that you want to. So it really was my sweet spot is at that kind of senior level where we can make a real impact in terms of optimizing the potential of those teams. I like that. I like that a lot. So you understood over time that you wanted to impact senior teams. Did you get more niche than that? Did you start to figure out if there was a particular industry or size of company or type of company that was best suited to your message and that you could have the biggest impact on? Well, I think that the, the work that I do, I, th I think there's, there's two parts to that. I think that the work that I do can fit into many different organizations. However, I think that the marketing that you've got to do for your own business in order to be seen and be visible, you have to kind of niche that down quite a bit. And I, and I do a lot of work in the pharmaceutical industry. Now, not exclusively in the pharmaceutical industry, but I think if you're looking to market yourself, you do have to pick out an, an element of the industry that you've got a clear message to, and you know that that's a need that they have. So I did kind of narrow it down into the pharmaceutical industry, but I do get approached by, by other industries, but I do put myself out there and promote myself within the pharmaceutical industry. Right. And I think from a marketing perspective, I think you need to understand, otherwise, who am I trying to get in front of? Who am I trying to market myself to? I'll, I'll be all over the place if I don't kind of specify that niche. Brilliant, brilliant. So in the work that we do with our clients at East Circle Academy, the first thing is we've identified who is our key customer, the hero in our story, if you will. And that's a coach and a consultant, right? And specifically a coach and a consultant who's had some success and have basically started to plateau, started to struggle, right? And these are folks who are good people, in our view, who deserve to win, but they've tried a bunch of things and it really hasn't worked out and they're starting to doubt themselves. And what we say is, if you're a good person and you're trying to do good work out there in the world, you deserve to be successful. And we figured out a way through our, our, our own trials and tribulations to help you get there. And it's worked for the majority of the people that we've worked with. We've helped add, you know, you know a quarter million dollars to a couple million dollars for the majority of the, the people we've worked with in our program. And because our messaging is that dialed in, our clients and potential clients go, hey, this is pretty good. We like this. We want to hear more of what you have to say. And in this process, what we do, how we do what we do is we help position people as thought leaders. So they stand out. They're not like Joe Coach, Joe Consultant, or as your friend said, the world needs another uh, consultant. 
like they need a hole in the head, but they're looking for good ones. We want them to be perceived as the good ones. So, and we say that for you to be a successful thought leader, there are five pillars on which your practice must be built. The first one you articulated quite nicely, which is have a clear niche, have a clear message, right? Clarity. Second one is you got to actually have some IP. You got to have something to say that's a little bit different. Can you talk about that a little bit and how you've made sure that inside your practice, you have world-class IP to bring to your potential clients? Absolutely. And I think that's a really important thing. But I think, you know, and you know, Nikki, from the work that you've done, the hardest thing to do is to make your message as simple as possible. You know, it's kind of paradoxical in some ways. But, you know, somebody Truly. said, if if the six-year-old cannot understand it, there's something missing with it. Now, I, and I think that clarity is really important. But also, you know, you need to kind of come and say, well, what is it? What is the conversation that you're having that actually the one that you're going to address with your clients. And when I sit down with any CEO, senior director, the conversation that I'm always having with them is about what percentage of your team's potential is being realized right now. What percentage of your team's potential is being realized right now? And really having a very serious conversation about what that is. Now, we have... We have data and we've got a mechanism which where we can, you know, get all of the data and come up with a figure on that. But even just to ask somebody intuitively, what do they want to have? And they're going to be pretty accurate. And then to say, okay, well, what do you want that percentage to be in 12 months time? And then figuring out what the gap is and how do we actually go about bridging that gap. And we have a program whereby we do the analytics at the very beginning. So we do kind of a, 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 we measure about 200 different elements of a team from both the design, from the dynamics, and also about the business itself to figure out what's our starting point. And then through the program that we call uh, the team program that we call a pit stop, we actually work through different elements of that to define what are the most important things that we need to focus in on right now that's going to have the biggest impact over the next, say, 90 days or six months, whatever period of time. <clears throat> but I tend to go for short periods, and ideally I go for a 90-day period. What are the things, because it, like everything else, you know, it's the 80-20 rule. There are loads of things you can fix. There are loads of things you can fine-tune. But given your current circumstances and your current objectives, what are the things that you need to fine-tune that's going to give you the biggest impact? So through the Pit Stop program, we do that. And then we have clear program beyond the, the initial workshop. We do some coaching with the teams to make sure it's delivered. And then we do analytics at the end so that we can actually see the difference, so we can do the measurement. And we know, Nikki, that with the teams that we worked, we can get within that six-month period, depending on the team, obviously, but between 7 and 25% improvement on efficiency and delivery of that team in, the, in that period, which is quite significant when you're talking about seeing your teams. So we know we can do that. We can demonstrate it. So it's really important for us that the people understand that where we're operating in is actually moving that potential 
up the scale. So we're getting up higher and higher. And then we come back and we kind of go again and we figure out what else we need to do. But we do have that pit stop program that we run with all of the teams that we have, that we make sure we're putting them through that program. And pit stop is, you know, based on the Formula One. And the, the reason that we use that analogy and metaphor is that you know, the race is still going on while the pit stop is taking place. And that pit stop is our workshop that we're doing with the team and the coaching we do afterwards. But what happens in the pit stop can make the difference about whether you win or whether you lose. And it's all about winning and getting people to understand what winning means and what that finishing line looks like for them collectively and individually. Brilliant. Love that. Love the pit stop analogy from racing. Analogies and metaphors are a very powerful part of exposing your thinking to your potential marketplace because the brain's just drawn to them, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And if people, you know, people instantly kind of get that because and you don't have to be a fan of racing or anything like that. You actually understand it and you get it. And the whole principle is about getting the team to work on their own development and their own plans. And, you know, we don't tend to destroy things that we create ourselves. So it really is getting them to be owners of that and to really drive it through. But, you know, you need to have you need to have a process beyond the initial workshop because, you know, I'm sure you, you and I have been around long enough, Nikki, to know that, you know, Oh, you come together for a day and everything is great and it's fantastic and people think, wow, that's going to change the world. But then, you know, two months later, it's kind of, ah, what do we do? Nothing really has changed. So you've got to have a process beyond the initial phase to actually make sure that you're checking in and that what you said is that you're going to do is getting done. You know, that's very well said. And one of the things that we do inside eCircle Academy is we have an ongoing year-long program, right? Uh, it, it's kind of the second step of engaging with us, if you will. Initially, you take yeah. a live workshop that we do, which is a three-day workshop, and there's a couple of online components to it, a couple of programs. And you, you get some interaction with the community. You get your own coach for uh, a couple of sessions. But if you decide to continue with us, it's a year-long program. And that year-long program, we don't just give people information. Information is important. But we actually lock arms with them. We treat them like they're our brothers and sisters and sons and daughters. And we make sure that we're with them every step of the way as they step forward toward victory in their marketplace. And we think that's what's important. What you're saying right now about the kind of work that you do in terms of making sure there's an ongoing process is something we believe in very strongly. That's what we do for our clients. And that, I believe, more than anything, more than the information we provide, although it's fantastic, is why the majority of the people that work with us get such astounding results of you know, adding a quarter million to a couple million dollars a year to their business. While if you go out there and you're a coach, you're a consultant, you're a thought leader, and you do other programs, and I'm not knocking other programs, I do them myself, it's important to have ongoing learning, less than 5% of the people that engage in those programs get those kinds of results. And, and I think that, you know, it's a hugely important thing to make sure that you've got, particularly with a team, because in a team, what you're actually doing, well, what team you're working on, you're working on some element of change. And people, you know, in a team, they don't all change at the same time. So you've got to allow the fact that people are going to come in because it's mindset change. It's not just 
task change or action change. It's mindset change. And that all doesn't happen at the same time. So you've got to figure out that in a team, there'll be some people who will grasp the change and be able to make that change very quickly. But others, it takes for a variety of reasons, not being critical of them, but just because of what's going on in their world, what's going on in their life. You know, they don't change as quick or the penny just doesn't quite drop about the change that you're looking for. Because so often what you're talking about here is behavioral change. And behavioral change only comes about as a shift in mindset. So that's why it's important to have a process, an ongoing process to ensure delivery of that. Yes, because mindset changes don't occur overnight. Someone just comes to a workshop and they go home, they're not going to have the change last. But if they go to a workshop and then they're part of an ongoing process of support and accountability like we provide, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It works. People win. People get to make the transformations that they're actually looking to make by engaging with the work that you do. I really like that. So that third pillar inside thought leadership that you need to have to build your practice is what I like to call a strategy of preeminence. For you to be someone who can stand out as a thought leader, right? And, and let, me, let me give a definition of a thought leader contrasted with an expert. And I got this from Matt Church, who's one of my mentors. He's the founder of Thought Leaders Global and the Thought Leaders Business School. He says, there's a lot of experts out there. They're a dime a dozen. An expert's someone who knows something. But a thought leader, a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something, right? So in order for you to be a thought leader, you need to be preeminent. You need to be the best or at least one of the best in your field. What are your comments on that? How have you implemented that inside your practice? Well, I think I, I, I agree with that. I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that it does come back to being known for something and being clear about what, you, what you're known for. And what I have really worked hard is to be known for having the ability to shift teams from being average to being brilliant and, and doing the same with leaders of kind of really changing the dial in terms of the performance of a leader. So, you know, it's, it's not just about that. It's not just about what I know. You know, and it's okay. It's important to know plenty of stuff, but it's also, it's also the ability to influence other people to actually shift their behavior because it's not about me kind of just handing them knowledge it's giving them the tools to actually, yes, take the knowledge and do something with. So I really, really worked hard to get known for making a difference in an organization, but facilitating a team to make the difference about their own future. So that not only when, when they were to me, did you help them to make that shift, but you were giving them the tools to continue on beyond the connection with me. So therefore they had the wherewithal to actually do that beyond the, the, the work that I'm doing with them. So it's giving them the tools to actually make the change. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, there are loads of experts, but it's actually getting that, transferring that expertise and getting that into the heads of the people that you're working with. And that's a, that's a very different skill to just having the expertise. That's being able to get that transference of knowledge and, and, and behavior into other people. And that's really what I've worked at. And that's been... 
a lot of that has just been about working with teams, it's been getting referred by the people, but it's also about writing it, writing about it and producing content about it. You know, as you know, I, you know, I do my own podcast. I do produce quite a bit of content as well. It's writing about it so the people see and they understand exactly what they're getting when they're actually taking you on and hiring you to be the leadership coach for their business. That's powerful. I really, really like that. Hey, I didn't know you had a podcast. You're going to have to have me on as a guest, my friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll do no problem at all. But I, th- but I think that, you know, I think that's all part of the, you know, it's all part of your marketing. It's all part of actually people understanding what it is that you do and where you stand. Because, you know, going back to the original comments, yes, the world does need another consultant like a hole in the head. But consultants who have got a very specific niche that can provide a very specific service and that can help a team to, to kind of improve their potential and build upon their potential. Because let's, let's remember, Nikki, that as a leader, if I'm the leader of a team, it's my job to move that needle of potential up. And it's also to, in fact, increase the potential of that team. And that's what a leader's job is. And my job is to work with that leader to help them do that. That's brilliant. So the fourth pillar of thought leadership is leverage. So Matt Church says that there are six modalities in which you can deliver your expertise as a thought leader. Okay, so the first one is coaching. That's pretty straightforward, one-on-one coaching. And then there's mentoring, which he differentiates from coaching in that it's still one-on-one, but it, 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 it's different from coaching. It's, it, it's about giving instruction. Many people still call that coaching, but Matt yeah. draws a distinction between mentoring and coaching. And then Matt talks about what he calls authoring. And authoring can be writing a book. It can be creating an online program that people have. And then there's speaking, training, and facilitating. And this is one thing that when I really understood it and applied it for myself, my income went up five, tenfold really quickly. And this has happened. Last year, we were fortunate enough to help three of our clients add a million dollars a year to their business, right? Pretty great result from my perspective. And why we were able to do that is because we helped them take advantage of the principle of leverage. So what are your comments on leverage and how have you use leverage inside your practice to build your success and your impact. Well, you're preaching to the choir here, Nikki, I have to say. I'm glad, by the way, that you differentiate between coaching and mentoring because they are quite different. And, you know, very often you hear those terms being used interchangeably and they are a very, very different process that you go through. You know, and and I'm I'm not saying that you can either be one or the other. You can be both. But understand which modality you're in at the different times, because it's a very different approach to the two of them. <clears throat> I think that in terms of the leveraging, I would agree with what you're saying is that, you know, I mean, I've written I've written a book. I've uh, I've written a lot of articles. I produce a lot of content. I've been a subscriber to The Huffington Post. Um, you know, so I've written in various different publications and that's all part of that, that leveraging. Again, I do, I do, you know, quite a bit of speaking in, at conferences and at industry functions. And again, that's all part of the same thing. And so I see that as kind of all being elements of the marketing mix. And I think it's important 
when you decide what it is you're, you're, you're going to do, you know, what are the tools that you're going to use to leverage to get, to get your business out there is to be really clear and specific about the ones that you're going to do and by definition, the ones that you're not going to do. Because the worst thing of all is that if you're not really clear about the ones that are most relevant to the industry that you are after, and that's a really important point because you know, if I look at the the, the the market that I'm at, it's the corporate market, it's the you know, the, the major international companies, it's it's large, large companies, you know, there's some stuff that may be interesting to do, but it's actually going to be a complete waste of time. So I look at, you know, in terms of social media, for example, I would do quite a bit on LinkedIn. I would do less on, on Facebook because I don't think that's where my market is. Uh, I would do quite a bit of speaking because the audience that I'm speaking to um, would tend to be very typically would be the target market. So I think you've got to decide on the modalities, but they've got to make you've got to make sure that they reflect the target market that you're going after. Because at the end of the day, the question is, how do I get in front of more of my target market? And that's the question that you're always asking. But then it's actually saying, okay, let me pick a number of those and let me focus on those and become really good and really expert in that. Because, you know, if you take, for example, speaking, yes, we can all get up and we can deliver and we can speak. But actually, it's the the art of speaking and the art of presentation. It's the art of stage presence, you know, which is a very, very specific art. And you've got to learn your craft. And you've got to invest the time and the money to actually learn your craft and to understand it. So, yes, I would agree with everything you said. I think you've got to decide on those modalities and then really go after them. But make sure that they're the ones that fit with your target market, because it all comes back to that. Otherwise, you're going to be in that kind of shiny new toy syndrome that somebody says, oh, wow, you know, everybody should be on Instagram or everybody should be on Snapchat or whatever it might be. And suddenly you're off there. But then you can say, well, hang on a second. Am I certain that my target market is actually going to be there? And so it really is important that you do that. It is really important that you do that. What I find is a lot of coaches and consultants don't leverage well. They might do coaching. They might do a little bit of mentoring. They don't do much else. Some of them speak sometimes. They don't necessarily get paid for it. But they're not really using all these six modalities. So this one client that we had, okay, his name's Victor. And Victor was uh, a real expert in capital and raising capital. In fact, he raised capital both for the IT world and for real estate projects. And then he started to do some one-on-one coaching, which was good, right? He He got some clients, he got paid for that. But when his business really started to take off, when he went from making six figures a year to seven figures in less than 12 months, was when he started delivering high-end facilitated masterminds. You know, so he started doing facilitated masterminds with people like George Ross, who was Donald Trump's uh, right-hand man in the Trump organization and was on his show, The Apprentice, and on the other show, he did The Celebrity Apprentice. That's when Victor's business took off. That's when Victor went from making, you know, six figures, low six figures, to making seven figures, and he's knocking on eight figures a year now. And he actually works less in terms of total time put into his business. That's what I mean by the power of leverage, right? Going from just doing one modality to getting to another modality and using the two of them in a synergistic fashion to have your business grow and make a bigger difference for your clients. 
No, I think I think it's really important, and I think that you know it's it's it really is getting the clarity around what's the message that you're trying to put out there, and who you're trying to extend get that message to. And I think if you get that right, then you know you really can leverage it. No, brilliantly said, brilliantly said. So the fifth and final pillar is don't do it alone. You need to be part of a peer group. You need to have your own mentors. For us, this is a bit self-serving because this is what we do for people. But hashtag don't do 2018 alone. It's been one of our memes for 2018. And I can tell you this, the folks that have come into eCircle Academy and have used the community and have allowed other people to contribute to them have seen that it's possible for other people, people that are just like them. And because of that, because they're not doing it on their own, because they're getting feedback, they're winning. They're winning bigger, they're winning faster. What are your comments on that? Well, I think the most dangerous thing of all, particularly for the sort of work that people like you and I do, is that we become slightly isolated in ivory tower. And the danger is you're in a real danger territory when you become your own best expert. And that is really danger, danger territory. So I think it is hugely important. I've been very fortunate that I've, I've, had, I've had my own coach. I mean, even though I, I am a coach, I've had my own coach for many, many years and invest quite a lot of money in having my own coach because I, with the best will in the world, Nikki, I'm not going to be objective about myself. I'm not going to be objective about my own thought process. I'm not going to have all of the best ideas. So I, I have my own coach and I also belong to, to masterminds because there you actually see what other people are doing. You can be A, be of service to other people. But the great benefit is that no matter how much you give in those masterminds, you get it back a hundredfold. And, and I think it's critically important because, you know, we're all out there and we all see what we see and we also miss what we miss. And if you're in a mastermind, you've got the opportunity to leverage the kind of the group knowledge that uh, exists within a mastermind. And you really can tap into that. And you make great friends for life, but you make great kind of colleagues in there who really help you to grow your business. And you'll find the opportunity where you can cooperate and do JVs and do all that sort of stuff. Because, But I think it's terribly important. You know, I, and anybody that I know in the business who has made the investment to do that. And some people say, oh, well, it costs a lot of money. I would say, listen, the cost of not doing it is, is, is insane. If you don't actually go and do it, you are going to wither and die. It's a bit like the vine that just doesn't get any sort of nourishment from elsewhere. You will wither and you will die in the business because you will become so isolated. And you need to have the richness of being part of that group and being part of a mastermind group to really, really encourage you. Because also, let's, let's be honest about it, Nikki, not everything goes swimmingly well all of the time. And there are times where you need to kind of reach out and say, you know, I'm just having a bad day. I'm just not having a great day. I've just had a few things have gone wrong or whatever it might be. And having other people to kind of help you through that, because we've all been through that. And it's the ability to share and to be open in that environment actually makes you so much stronger. So, yeah, as I said to you, Nikki, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I absolutely agree with you. I, I think that it is inherently a risk to, to, to business owners to try and do it alone.
it is inherently a risk. And you know, you, you spoke about cost and people getting into this. This is a very important point. I run into this all the time. People that are in business, but don't have a lot of experience being business people start railing about the cost and they start getting scared. There's a distinction that the great Neville Goddard, who was one of the great spiritual teachers of the 20th century, he was actually quoted heavily in the movie and the book, The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. And that distinction is between spending and investing. And Neville Goddard said that spending is to lay out with no expectation of return, but investing was to lay out with a definite expectation of return. If you're in business for yourself, if you're listening to the show and you're considering whether to invest money on a coach or a peer group, it is the smartest thing you can do provided it's the right coach in the right peer group. The smartest businesses today invest billions every day, billions with the expectation of a return. And it's so important that people understand this and follow through with their decision to invest in themselves both time and money. Every dollar that you invest in your self-education as a coach, as a consultant, will come back to you tenfold provided it's invested with the right people with a powerful program such as eCircle Academy. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's interesting going back to when I was talking about the, the pit stop and in Formula One. One of the interesting things about Formula One is that if you look at the teams, the top teams in Formula One, is that they spend as much money on the people as they do on the car, which I think is really telling. So they, re they recognize they can do all they like with the car, but they actually need the team of people around that car to be invested in and to be developed and to make sure that they are absolutely at peak performance. It's not just about getting the car to peak performance. It's getting the people to peak performance. Brilliantly said. Brilliantly said. So we like to end off each and every single one of our interviews by asking you, our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps that you recommend our listener takes on to improve his or her life and business? What say you, John Murphy? Well, yeah, it's always difficult, isn't it, to actually bring it down to three. But if I really push me to bring it down to three, the first one that I would say, and, and this sounds one that, that people don't pay much attention to, and I think it's hugely important, is be crystal clear about your vision. Be crystal clear about your vision. That's not just kind of a nice to have. That's a must have because your vision is the context for all the decisions that you take. So it's absolutely important that you are crystal clear about the vision. So that would be number one. The second tip I would give to anybody is major on execution. You know, I, I spend a lot of time, a lot of organizations, and they spend a lot of time talking about, thinking about processing, creating processes, but they don't get into execution fast enough. And it's actually by getting into execution fast enough. And the third, which is linked to that, is reviewing what you have done. So if you really get into the habit of being really clear about your vision, getting into execution, and then the third part is reviewing what you have done to figure out what did I do well, 
What did I not do so well? And what will I do differently the next in the next cycle? And if I was to anyone to kind of take away those are three things I say are critically important in any business to have that top of mind all of the time. And also the when I talk about the vision, the vision and the culture, that's as the leader of the business, you are the, the harbinger and you are the leading light of that vision and culture. And it's important that you embrace that. So they will be my three. I love those. They are so good. Listener, John Murphy is the real deal. You need to consume this man's work. He's incredible. You know, John, you have been so gracious to create some awesome content that you're offering to us. We're going to put this in the show notes, but you can get some of John's incredible content at johnmurphyinternational.com forward slash thought leader. John, tell the folks what you're offering in this incredible, incredible power-packed bit of content. Well, what I'm, what I'm offering them there is that if they go to that, as you say, is johnmurphyinternational.com forward slash thought leader. I wrote a book which was a bestseller on Amazon, which is the 10 key traits of top business leaders. They can go in, they can download that. I also have a short video that they can take, which is what I call the four A's to bridge the gap of potential. So it's a short video for people to get that talks about execution, but also talking about analyzing and reviewing. And the third there is an opportunity for anybody who wants to reach out and have a conversation with me. They can go there, they can click the link and they go onto my calendar and I'd be delighted to have a conversation with them. Fabulous. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. And John, I want to say this to you. Our listener, as I said to you, to me, is a hero. They're a coach or a consultant, but here's what makes them a hero. There's someone who, like you, wants to make a difference in the world. There's someone who, like you, wants to leave a powerful legacy that is beyond just being someone who made some money and managed something for someone else. They want to live according to the dictates of that inner voice within them. And yet they've experienced some success perhaps, but at this point in time, they're a little bit stuck. They're not sure how to move forward and grow their business to the level they've always dreamed of. They might even be thinking to themselves, oh my God, is it possible for me? Can I do it? You know, in this sense, they're not too different from the heroes in movies like Star Wars or Bridget Jones's Diary, like Luke Skywalker or Bridget Jones, who thought, could I be a Jedi? Am I going to ever find the love that I've always wanted? They're like that kind of person. And here's what I have to say to them, and I know you would agree with me, John, that yes, you do deserve to be successful, and yes, it is possible for you. And for us here within eCircle Academy, it's really important. We know how you feel. We figured out a way to show you how to have this success be yours by positioning you as the go-to expert, the thought leader, the authority within your space. It's a very simple process for us. It's a three-step eCircle success plan. You jump on a call with myself or a member of our team. We talk about your business and we help create a plan for you. You sign up for our live workshop and then we help you execute and help you be successful. And this, my friend, allows you to have financial success, the respect of friends and family. So they'll stop saying, why don't you stop doing what you're doing and go out there and get a job? John, I'm sure one or two of the people you've dealt with have, have either said this to you, you've heard this, when are you going to get a real job and quit this nonsense type of oh, stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. absolutely yeah. 
So that's going to stop. You'll have the confidence to win. And we really hope that you take advantage of this because if you don't, it's likely that you're going to stay stuck. You may even have to give up on your dream of being a thought leader and a powerful coaching consultant. And then people in your life will say, I told you so. And you don't want that. You deserve to have confidence. You deserve to have impact. You deserve to have legacy. And you can get John's information. It's going to be in the show notes to jump on a call with someone from my team or myself. Go to eastercoleacademy.com forward slash appointment. John Murphy, a delight to be on this call with you, to have you on our humble show. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Nikki, it has been a real pleasure. I've been del- I've been looking forward to because I'm a great admirer of your Thought Leadership Revolution podcast, and it's a real pleasure to be here. So thank you, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. No, me as well. Me as well. And that wraps up another amazing episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the legendary John Murphy. Go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, look in the show notes, and you will get the link that he's providing to us for you to get access to his information or jump on his calendar and to help you get the business growth you deserve. Jump on a call with myself or a member of my team at eastcircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Until next time, goodbye.